the veto miti story, M-I-T-I, caught my attention just a few weeks ago. Vito Mitty was in Barcelona in Spain and he was working on his PhD in philosophy and he was nearing the end, he was finishing up his final work his, on his thesis, on his, on his doctorate and as he was doing his research at the library in Barcelona he needed a very old book by an old philosopher and Vito found the book, found, but, but when he pulled it out and started getting the info he needed, he found something else in the book that he didn't expect. Inside the book was a document and it was the last will and testament of the author of the book. And it said, I bequeath everything to the man who reads this book and finds this will. How many would wish you were in that library on that day? And, and I thought to myself, I've never read a book like that, and I've got tens of thousands of books and never saw anything like that. Vito took it seriously, took it to court, and the Spanish court said it's valid, and Vito got a quarter of a million dollars. That was a good thesis. Here's what I thought. Jot this down. I believe this. The will of God is always can be found in the word of God. That you know what, folks? I was wrong. Every time I do open up this book, I do find his will. It's in there every single time. And this is what's so important. How many miss the will of God because they won't open up this book, the word of God? His will is in there every time we open this up. And as we do every single Sunday, we are going to open up the book and see what the will of God is. And today, I'm believing that his will is not only just going to change us, but it's going to challenge some of you today, especially what the Bible unfolds. Before we pray, always remember this. God never said doing his will would be easy. He only said it would be worth it. And there's going to be some things today that I'm telling you is going to challenge you and stretch you, but we want God's will, not our will. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, may the Holy Spirit just guide us as we begin to open up the scriptures and that God would be glorified in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So here is the will of God that I have found in the book of God. And it's this, when there is dependence on God, there will be direction from God. When you depend upon him and throw your trust, maybe another word for dependence, throw your trust on God, there will always be direction from God. And here's what I have also found out. When people don't depend upon God, they depend upon crazy things. Folks, G.K. Chesterton was right from, the, from, from Britain when he said this. When people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in everything. And I've seen that. I've seen those very things begin to take place. I watched this craziness up front. If you've ever um, sat in a Starbucks here in New York, you'll find this out that all the tables are close, and if you listen and tune in, you can hear everybody's conversation. Not that I do it, <laughs> but I had to on this one. And as I'm sitting there, I was reading my Bible in a Starbucks right next to me, close to me. This young lady was there. This old gentleman walked in with, with these astrology star charts, laid them out before, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally reading the book of Isaiah, and finally, I, I, I just put my book down in Starbucks, 
and I'm, I just crossed my arms, and I watched. And I watched this middle-aged man take her hand and go, oh, you have a long love line, and this is going to be, and, I'm, and, 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 and I, was, I was controlling myself as I was just sitting there, as going, I was watching a man just try to tell this lady the future, and then goes through it, shows the star charts, and you're this, and you're that. Then, he, then I watched her hand him $150 as he walked away, and she caught me looking at it, and she goes, wasn't that wonderful? I said, nope. <laughs> and I just looked at her, and I said right there, I just said, let me just be clear. It doesn't matter when you were born. It matters who was born for you. His name is Jesus. And I said, he is the one that controls your future. Not the month that you were born and not when the stars align. It's Jesus that controls your future. Because people are looking for something to depend upon. I just read the report that came out that there have been in our country during this pandemic over 100,000 deaths of, on, uh, uh, from o drug overdoses. It, was, it, it is just stunned them during that, that and fentanyl leading the way. In fact, they said that the 100,000 drug overdoses in America is so drastic that the life expectancy of Americans dropped a year and a half because of those drug overdoses. It's amazing that it rose 30% during the pandemic. Why? Because people are looking for something to depend upon when you're not depending upon God. And when people don't depend upon God, they will depend upon anything. So men are trying to get help with fentanyl. In fact, our government is in a position now and they're saying now the answer to the drug overdose is to invest $10 billion in programs uh, naloxone, an overdose reversal medicine, will fix the problem. And all I thought, I can tell you what will fix the problem. Our government needs to find to increase. If you want to increase anything, increase your acceptance of God. And then you can begin to see what God can begin to do in this situation. I'm not trying to be minimal. I'm not, I'm not trying to be simplistic. But I have to tell you something. Is that we need God again in this country. Let's read God's will in God's book and in fact, you're going to notice these scriptures, and in fact, many of you are going to know them. And I want you to read it out loud with me. You'll see it on the screen. If you're watching from home, I want you to read it with me. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Here's what it says. Come on, read it out loud with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Some of you come the, um, from a King James background will say he will direct your paths. But I want you to look at that again. He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. That's the promise. If a Jew heard the phrase straight path, their mind would go back to one event. One event. And the event was this. The wilderness journey when they left Egypt and were on their way to the promised land. Because they were being challenged, this is either going to be straight or this thing could get really complicated. Why? Because they knew, the Jews knew a life without a straight path. Everything I've given to you, whether it was that lady in, whether it was the, the woman in Starbucks or whether it's people trying to, find, trying to find coping mechanisms with drugs, 
once you step out of the will of God, you begin to take away the straight paths that God is wanting to give to our lives. Because he's wanting to give, bring, bring the will of God. How, because here's how it goes. How long, question for you, how long was the journey from Egypt when God brings them out to the promised land, what God wanted to bring them into? You ready for this? It was literally 11-day trip or 240 miles. That's what it was supposed to be. But those that have read their Bible and knows the Old Testament history, but due to disobedience and making unwise choices, you ready for this? 11 days turned into 14,000 days. That's 40 years. Look at that. Keep that on the screen for a second. That means when you step out of the will of God, you leave the 11 days and you walk into 14,000 days. Folks, let me just tell you something. I don't want to do this longer than I have to do this thing. I want to be in God's will. Anybody with me that just says, I want to be in God's will? And then all of a sudden, what happens is their journey looks more like spaghetti for my Italian friends than even a straight line. You're going all over the map and trying to figure out where you're going. Remember, remember this in geometry? Listen, I know it's Sunday morning, but remember geometry? The shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. Straight paths means the quickest route to get where you're going. Straight paths means this is exactly what God is asking us to do. So the question is this, what is a straight path? Let me make it as simple as I can for you today. A straight path is this. It's getting you from where you are to God's intended purpose the fastest way with no interruptions and no unintended exits. I don't want to get off when I'm not supposed to get off. I want to keep walking when I'm supposed to keep walking. I don't want to do anything that God doesn't want me to do, folks. I don't, listen, at 50, I'm in, in a few weeks, I turn 58 years old, I'm over the hill. My, well, you don't listen. Teach, let me just tell you this. You need to teach my kids that because they, 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 they're the ones that have been making fun of my age lately. So I'm, I'm just telling you. So I'm going to teach my kids to clap for me like that. <laughs> it, so how do we get straight paths? How do we get to the place that God wants us to be? How does this happen? There are three things in this passage. I'm going to go through them quick because I'm going to get to something that is going to be so, it, this, and then it's going to get difficult. Remember, the, word, the will of God didn't say it would be easy, but it said it would be worth it. So I'm going to get to what would be the worth it part in just a few moments. But let's just crush these just for a second. Number one, here are the three things to get us there. First thing, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first thing. I remember um, a few years ago when 80-year-old Dr. Charles Stanley from, from Atlanta was, was visiting our church. He said that the most important trip he ever took when he was 18 years old to talk to his soon-to-be 90-year-old grandfather and gave him advice that he said for all of his life, this is what he believed in ministry. Let me, let me read to you what Charles Stanley's grandfather told him before he entered into ministry. He said, Charles, he said, if God tells you to run through a brick wall, Charles, start running. And believe God will have a hole already in the wall the size of your head. I, I like that. Just start running. And then he says this. He says, be obedient to God and leave the consequences of your obedience to him. Let me say that again. Be obedient to God and leave the consequences of your obedience to him. How many understand this? Stay with me on this. Because this is so important for us to understand. See, the first thing we need to do to keep paths straight is that huge word. It's short, but it's huge. Trust in the Lord. And here's the thing. You can trust God because he is trustworthy. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? 
It means truth. You ready for this? Truth exists today because God is trustworthy. That's why people can't have, this is going to, okay, here, this is going to get the first part. It's going to get tough. Just stay with me. This is why people can't have, here it comes, their own truth. Ooh, Jesus. Okay, stay with me. Okay, let me be clear. You can, balcony, listen to me. You can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own truth. Here's why. Because in order for something to be truth, or you have to be trustworthy, or tell the truth all the time. How many here tell the truth all the time? That's why you don't have, that's why you can't have truth. So do something, mm hmm. I'm going, okay, he's lying. So there, there you go. Point proven. See, when you trust a trustworthy God, let me just tell you something. It is a sweet path that you're going, God, now you're able to take us to where we need to go. That's why that old song, Tis So Sweet, come on, to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word, you know the rest, just to rest upon his promise, just to know what? Come on, sing that, sing that part. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Okay, well, I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Hallelujah. See, trust means to commit yourself totally to something. That's what he's asking you to do. He's saying the path to straight, the straight path has to have absolute total trust. Our second daughter, Grace, did something that none of our other children has done. She's the only one that has done this. When each of them were learning to swim, and, and, and Christian, who is our college swimmer, never did this, but Grace always did this, is that when we put her in the pool for the very first time, she would jump immediately in every single time. She couldn't even swim, but I had to be in the pool. And I remember asking her, I said, Grace, why do you do that every time? None of your brothers or your brother or your sisters wouldn't do it. And this is what she said, because I knew every time I jumped, I knew you'd catch me. Folks, can I just tell you something? Every time you jump, God's going to get you. Every time you do what God asks you to do, he is there to do. But the second thing is this, and don't lean on your own understanding. See, Solomon gives us a do and then a don't. The do, trust in the Lord, but don't trust yourself. To lean means to put your weight on something. Solomon was saying, don't lean on yourself very much because you're not that wise. You're not that smart. And it's coming from considerably to be the wisest man that has ever walked the planet. Think about this. Are you smarter than even Solomon? Are you smarter than the wisest man that has ever walked the planet next to Jesus? Because if anyone could have said, I'm so smart, I need to ask for advice, it would have been Solomon. Instead, Solomon says... There's wisdom found in the multitude of counselors. That's Solomon saying that. See, people love, the danger here, the danger that he's giving us is he's saying, be careful of talking to the wrong trinity when you need help. Here's the wrong, see, the right trinity is father, son, and who? Okay, 
the wrong trinity is me, myself, and I. Because when you go, I think I should, you're beginning to start leaning on our own understanding. And the danger is when people love to counsel themselves instead of going, God, I need your direction. I can't lean on my own understanding here. Oh, thank God Antonio didn't listen to himself. Antonio loved music, but like all of those crazy people on, on American Idol and The Voice who thought they could sing because someone said they could sing, it, the, the problem was Antonio wanted to be a singer, but he couldn't sing until finally, finally some one of his friends named Amahi came to him and said, Antonio, there's many other ways to make music, but one of the ways you can't make music is you can't sing, bro. You can't sing. And thank God Antonio listened to him. And instead of singing, Antonio Stradivarius made violins which sell between 15 to $40 million today. Think about that. Just to get wisdom from somebody, instead of thinking what you think about yourself, not leaning on your own understanding. It's the antithesis of the preceding verse. Trust in the Lord because he is trustworthy, but don't trust in yourself because you're not trustworthy. And finally, in all your ways, here it comes, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge Simply sounds like just giving a nod or a token nod to someone in a room. It's kind of me going like, oh, my friend Todd is here, and so let's just, let's just clap for him. It's not that. That's not. Acknowledging somebody is not acknowledging their presence. We would say we'd like to acknowledge so-and-so. He's here, so please stand up. That's not the word. The word acknowledge is a marriage word. I want you to get this. It's, the, it's a relationship between a husband and a wife, and it's used of a partnership. Can I just tell you what I do before I'm making decisions? I check with my wife, Cindy, all the time. You know what that's called? Wisdom. You know what that's called? I want to live. That's what that's called. I check with her all the time. And it's because it's a partnership. It's we walk together on these things. Understand something. How much more that you need Christ to walk with you on decisions. Can I just give you something that almost sounds silly? Christianity does not work without Christ. You can't, you can't be a Christian if Christ is not the center of everything. He's got to be part of everything. He is the senior partner of this relationship. And I'm telling you, he has veto rights on everything. It was, it was Elton Trueblood who said it like this. At the profoundest depths in life, men talk not about God, but talk with God. Folks, that's why, I'm just telling you this, what I've learned is this, as people are fighting, we don't need, we're la not lacking prayers in school, we're lacking prayer in church. That's where we're lacking prayer. Before we start getting, saying, we need prayer in the schools, how about getting prayer meetings back in the church? While churches are fighting to go, we need prayer in the public school, I'm going, we need prayer in the church. People praying, people seeking the face of God. And that's why this is so important for us to understand. When he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, 
That word ways is such an important word. It's such a simple word. The actual word means just a simple little goat path. It's not a highway. It's not a paved road. It's just a little path made by the hooves of a goat. That's all it is. And what he was saying was this. Man, trust God every single day with the simple decisions. Trust God that you can talk to him, your senior partner. Talk to him and, and, and ask him, are you lacking wisdom on anything? God, just we, we ask you. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. Do any of you lack wisdom? Just ask God. Who gives it generously and with, this is, I love this phrase. Don't miss this. And without reproach. Okay, King James people. And upbraideth not. Do you know what that means? That every time you ask God for wisdom, he'll never go to you. Seriously? You can't figure this out? Do you know how busy I am? That you're asking me this thing? That's not what it's saying. He's saying, you can come to him in anything. Don't ever say, I don't want to bother God with the little stuff. Let me help you about this. Everything is little to God. There is nothing too big for God. If God is great, then everything is little. Talk to God every single day. That's what he's calling us to do. So here it comes now, folks. Get ready for this. So this is why we choose this straight path. Now, this is the part that I want you to stay with me now. This is the part I'm going to take you on a journey here. Now, get ready for this. Because now it's about to get intense. Because now we're going to Put our money where our mouth is right now. Here it comes. Because one person said it like this. Your theology is what you are when you stop talking and you start acting. You can say whatever you want, but if it's not something you're living out, it doesn't mean anything. Because you can talk, you can preach it, you can share it, you can blog it, you can post it, you can tweet it, you can Instagram it, you can do whatever you want. But if you don't live it, it doesn't mean anything. So get this now. I want you to write this down. Five and six need nine and ten. Some of you are going like, am I supposed to say amen? Okay, let, let me help you on this. You can't have the five and six promises without the nine and ten application. Bible promises are not meant to be preached, but meant to be lived out. Every promise needs verification and, and authentication, authentication and validation. So let's see if you believe what you just read in five and six, because nine and ten is when the rubber meets the road. There's, you have kind of this next gen will always say it's something like this. You did not just go there. Solomon is about to go there. What does that mean? It means you just dealt with the elephant in the room. You went to, we didn't think you'd even go there. That's exactly. Solomon goes there when he says, in all your ways acknowledge him. All means all. And he is about to go there because you know what he's about to go to? And I know some of you, I, this is going to be so awesome because I can't wait to see your faces. Here it comes. You know where he goes? He starts dealing with money. Because this is what some of you thought. Here it is. I told you. You invited me to this church and now they're going to talk about. Okay, stay with me now. Don't, don't leave just yet, because this is not a money thing. This is a lordship thing. 
This is the part I want you to get. Because Solomon goes, trust the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him. And, 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 and trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Because what he was doing, and I know people are going like, wait a second, Pastor Tim. Listen, I know I read the report on Friday. This is why I said, God, you're wanting me to do this. I read the report, the business report on Friday, that U.S. inflation has just surged to a 39-year high in our country. 39 years. Prices has gone up on food, gas, cars, everything. Cindy and I bought a Christmas tree at the bottom of our hill. We just go, oh, that's the pretty one. We brought it. After we set it up, Cindy goes, did you see how much this this beat-up tree cost? I was going like, is this like a gold tree or like a money tree? Or what is this? I couldn't believe the price. We didn't even know. We just, we, we've been buying trees every year. and we didn't, we didn't know. It doubled in price. Trees. I was going like, it's a pine tree. You cut it down. I can't believe. But everything, the consumer price index has rose 6.8% in one year. And that hasn't happened in four decades. Four decades. So, Something, Pastor Tim, this is the worst time to talk about this because of Christmas and the economy. And I'm telling you, this is the best time to talk about it. And that's why I'm not holding anything back. Because if there's anything I want to make sure about, that if we're walking into a brand new season and we're about to face even some possible uh, just, just inflation and everything that's happening... I want Jesus to be Lord, not just over Sundays. I want him to be Lord over every single day of our lives. That's why we want to do this. Listen, I'm not the one who attached these verses. This is how we get through the season. When we say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Okay, let me help you how that weapon works. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, even your finances. I knew the amens wouldn't be there, but that's okay. Listen, I'm enjoying this. Five and six mean nothing without nine and ten. So let's see if you're really trusting the Lord as Solomon gives us a crash course on all your ways, acknowledge him. I was reading the story that shortly after joining the Navy, a new recruit asked his his commanding officer for a weekend pass so he can attend the wedding of his friend. And he was given the pass. And he said, and he was informed, the young man was informed, but you have to be back at 7 p.m. on Sunday night. To which the recruit said to his commanding officer, he says, you don't understand, sir. I'm in the wedding. And the commanding officer said, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. So here's the deal. You don't understand, Pastor Tim. We live in New York. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You are a Christian before you were a New Yorker. You are a Christian before you call upon your ethnicity, before you call upon your past. I am a Christian, and that's it. So therefore, I report to my commanding officer, and that is Jesus himself. That is Jesus. I'm so glad that all of you are here today, because get ready. That's why when we get to the end of every service, you're going to hear it today, I will do something called the ABCs, and that letter C is the most important. See, every week means you confess Jesus as Lord. That's Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
See, saving faith without lordship is impossible. Lord means boss. You're in charge of my life. When you say Jesus is Lord, you are saying you are in charge not just on Sundays. You're in charge of every single day of my life. That's why when you go, I want to be born again, you're not giving him a day a week. You're giving him seven days a week. You're saying, God, you're in charge of my life now. You have veto power. When you start a journey with the Savior, you can't just say, be my Savior. He's your Lord and Savior, meaning you are in charge of my entire life. While religion wants Sundays, the Savior wants every single day. He's in charge, veto power. I was walking into our apartment building after the church, being at the church all day, and as I was walking in, I passed by the guy that was at the front desk, and I just asked, I said, hey, how's it going? And, and he kind of just unloaded, he goes, man, I'm not doing too good. He just said, I, I need just some direction, I just need, I just need God, I just need, he, just, he didn't say God, he just says, I just need a new, I need a new job. So I looked at him, I said his name, and I just said, hey, I'm going to pray for you, and I started to walk. And, and, I, and we really did. Cindy and I made a commitment to pray for him. So as I'm walking, the boss, God, veto power, God, I was get, hit the button for the elevator, and God goes, get back there and pray for him. Come here. Let's pray right now. He's got veto power Every single day. He can make you turn around and say, this is what I need for you to do. We have to be sensitive to him. If the C in ABC is really a legit C in your life, confess Jesus as Lord, then this transition that Solomon is about to make, man, is powerful. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church, said this, the last part of a man to be converted is his wallet. If you're going, I knew we shouldn't have come to this church. I knew we shouldn't have come here. Here it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your paths or he will make your paths straight. Then it says this. Be not wise in your own eyes. And then here it comes, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from, your, and, and, and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. This, he jumps from, if you're going to trust God, let's just, let's just go right for the juggler. Let's just go ahead and deal with something. Folks, and that's why I think this is so important, especially with an economy and a Christmas season. God goes, listen, are you being driven by an economy? Are you driven by fear? Are you driven by this? Are you driven by that? Or are you going to be driven by trusting the Lord with all your heart? Because if you can't trust God's ways with your pocketbook, then you won't trust God's ways with your life. Folks, Billy Graham said it like this, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his life. That's why I think Solomon goes after this. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Just real quickly, I just want to do this because I just think he, I, and I was looking at this, it was a reminder for me when I was reading this. I'm going, wow, I just like preaching five and six. And God goes, don't forget nine and ten. 
because you don't trust in God with all, in, with all your heart and acknowledge him in all your ways, all your ways, unless you can add these verses to it. This is a reminder for me. So here's what he does. Four ways. Jot this down real quick. I'm, I'm not going to spend long here because it's a lordship. This is not a money message. It's not a money church. It is a lordship message, and it's a lordship. Make Jesus Lord, church. Four ways to make trust practical. Here it comes. He says, here's the purpose of it. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Do you know what it is? We give not to get blessed. We give to honor God. Don't miss that. When people say, you know why we give? We give because God gives right back. Hold on, folks. The first priority is I do this because it honors God. It says, I'm, it says I'm not controlled by a paycheck. I'm controlled by God. He is the sea confessing him as Lord. Our wealth belongs. Here it is. So when we honor God, we're saying you control us, not money does. Number two, it's the product. Here's what he says. From your wealth, not your Sunday attendance. I, I, I tithe by coming to church. Oh, it doesn't say that here. Didn't say tithe your time. I, I'm volunteering. You know how much they pay me at work, so this is my tithe. It's a, it doesn't say that either. I better go to the next one because already we're going to go down in attendance. Here we go. The, the purpose, the product, here's the priority. Watch this now. He says this. This is important. He says on the priority of this, he goes, I would need you to understand, it's from the first of all. See, God is at the front of the line. He's talking about tithing. You know what tithing is? Tithing is not just 10%, but it's the first 10%. That before Amex, before Macy's, before Visa, before New York, gets, God gets honored first. I love this church. If you're clapping for that, you rock. Okay, so here we go. You know what tithing says? I trust you, God, to work miracles with 90% of my income instead of me being in charge of 100% of my income. Let me keep that up there because some of you, we got a spattering of golf claps here. But let me just say this. I want to say this one more time. I tr tithing says I trust you, God, to work miracles with 90% of my income instead of me being in charge of 100% of my income. That's what he was saying. And then he says this. Here's the promise. The promise says, filled with overflow. He says, you will be filled with overflow. That's what the verse says. He says, I'll take care of you. He says, you won't even be able to contain it. We've taught our children to tithe. We've taught them. We just said, when God blesses you, this is what you're supposed to I remember Lauren is here today. I remember the first time we talked to her about tithing. She was the only one where Grace was the first one to jump out. Lauren was going like nothing doing. When I told her about tithing, she wept. What? <laughs> 10%? No, I mean, so we had to walk her through that. She's, much, she's, she's the most generous of all of them now, but that, it, it was hard with her. You can't look for loopholes. This is, <laughs> talk about, I was reading the story about a, a Christian wife, and some of you have gone through this, about a Christian wife who wanted to tithe but had a non-Christian husband and would have nothing to do with it. She was trying to tithe and had to even do it secretly because her husband was always angry when she tithed to the church. He would not give her any money, so anything that she had, she tithed to the church. 
In fact, when this man was on his deathbed, he held strongly and told his wife, I want you to promise me one thing. She said, what is it? I want you to promise me when I'm dead, you're going to take all of my money and put it in the casket with me. And he said, you're going to promise me because I know you're a Christian. And he said, I know you won't lie. And she promised. He died. His wife kept her promise. She went and got all the money out of the bank. She got, took all of his money, deposited it in the bank, and wrote a check and put it in the caskets. <laughs> and she said, there it is. Someone got overflow on that day <laughs> is what happened. Some wives with unsafe husbands are going, okay, that's, that's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to get Let me close with this. I have to believe that this is put there in the Bible for this reason. In the Gospels, Luke 18 and 19, this, this is amazing to me. Two rich men encounter Jesus and money becomes an issue. There is a rich young ruler... And Zacchaeus, the ta- Luke 18 is the rich young ruler. Luke 19 is the tax collector. And the Bible puts them both together. Stay with me now. One of them makes him Lord and Jesus goes right into his home. The other one couldn't, couldn't make him Lord over that area. It was a lordship issue. And he leaves Jesus where the other man leaves with Jesus. Think of that. Jesus puts it right in the middle of his encounters and say, this five and six needs nine and ten because it's going to prove lordship. Oh God, I give you my marriage. Of course. God, I give you my children, their wayward. Of course. God, I give you my thought life. It's getting. God, I give you this addiction. God, I give you this. But God, don't touch nine and ten. You can have all the issues, but then he's not Lord of all. See, here's here's what we have to recognize, folks. Keep this in mind. Let me just say this to you, because this is the important part that I just want us to understand here. See, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And that's what was coming. Listen to it. When, When Jesus challenges this rich young ruler... It says in Luke 18, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess, distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come. And gives them the two words that he gave to the very apostles, or the disciples, in the very beginning of their ministry. He looked at Matthew. He looked at, he looked at, he looked at Philip. He looked at John and said, come follow me. Those three words, come follow me. And many believe that he was calling him to discipleship, but he couldn't get over the hurdle of, he, him, of Jesus being Lord of all. We want Jesus to take our junk stuff, but the stuff that I've done, I've got this. Come follow me, Matthew. Come follow me, Peter. And rich young ruler, Come follow me. But the Bible says in the next verse, when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Walked away, walked, had an encounter with Jesus, met Jesus, and walked away from Jesus. And finally, Zacchaeus. Next chapter. He was a tax collector. And it says, he stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions. This is after he encountered Jesus. 
Half of my possessions I'll give to the poor, and I've defrauded anyone. I'll give it back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation is coming to your house. See, it's not a money message. Don't, I, I know some of you even watching online are going to go, ah, Times Square Church. It's, it has enough. it's lordship. And he goes to the heart of it. He goes right to the heart of it. Zacchaeus was a brand new man. He gave away 50% of his wealth to the poor, four times the amount, anything that, that he extorted from the people, because apparently he cheated a lot of people. But he realized if you're going to be Lord, then you've got to be Lord of everything in my life. Okay. Let me finish here. Here's where we're done. If you are here visiting with us or you are here part of New York, one of the places that it's so easy to go and to see the beauty of the Christmas season is just walk down Fifth Avenue. Look at Saks, the decorations, the Rockefeller tree. I talked to the friends that are in town yesterday. We went to Rockefeller. We took pictures. We did this. It's gorgeous. No better place to be during the Christmas season than in New York City. But I don't want you to miss the amazing contrast on Fifth Avenue. Right in Rockefeller Plaza, there is a giant statue of Atlas holding a globe up. How many of you have ever seen it? He's holding a globe up and crushing under the weight of the world. Right across the street at St. Patrick's Cathedral, behind the altar, is this amazing statue. It is a statue of a childhood Jesus, Jesus as a child, holding a globe in his hand at peace. He's holding that, and he is a boy going, he's got the whole world in his hands. While here's Atlas going, I'm crushing under the weight of this. The strongest man can't do it. And, I'm, I'm, and this is where I'm going. I'm going, choose which side of the street you want to be on. You're going to try to do it all by yourself? Watch the crushing weight of that thing come. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. He shall make your paths straight. I trust that Jesus that holds the whole world in the palm of his hands. Make no mistake, folks. That the greatest gift ever, the greatest giving verse in the entire Bible is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me be very clear. You ready for this, folks? Christmas exists because of the generosity of God. So generous that he gave us his son. Christmas exists because God is a generous God. Christmas, you, you, everything you see is because God 2,000 years ago, and thank God, can I say it like this? Thank God he didn't tithe from heaven. He gave the best from heaven to us today. That's what he gave to us today. Here's what's amazing. And so when God asks for our lives, it's the most important thing that you could ever deal with today. When God asks for our lives and says, I came for you, I came for you. You're not going to be surprised today. We're not going to go, now let's take up an offering. Ushers, come on down. It's time to, mm -mm. Can I just tell you, next week on Water Baptism Week is going to be a Lordship Week. Some of you have been born again, but you have not taken the next step, which is the obedience step. It's a Lordship issue again. 
It's just God going, don't just give me a day a week. Don't give me 90 minutes. God wants our lives. That's what he wants. So if you're sitting here today, some of you are crushed under the weight of this world, and I'm telling you, trust the one that holds the world in his hands. Trust the one that is able to to do what you can't do on your own. He loves you. Those that are watching online, he loves you. Walk across that street and say, Rockefeller Plaza, you keep that. I want the Jesus who holds the world in his hands. That's what I want. If you're here today, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? It's the most important question I can ask you. Here it is. How do I cross over to that? How does five and six turn into nine and ten? How does, how does this go on? How does this take place today? So here's the rule for you, that we have here at Times Square Church. If you are born again and sitting here today, this is your moment to intercede right now. This is not you going, I've heard this. This is you going, oh God, there are people on the, that need to cross over and trust the God who holds the world in his hand. And if you're sitting here today and you're a Christian, I need you to pray. Because the most important question I can ask you today is how, have you been born again? Have you been born again? That's Jesus' words. It's the words that Jesus speaks. In John chapter 3, 3, he says, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they've been born again. No person in this place will ever see heaven unless you've been born again. We've been born, what does born again mean? Just as you've been born once, physically, you need to be born a second time spiritually. Maybe the first time in a hospital, the second time happens internally. This is not a Times Square church word. It is a Jesus word. In fact, Jesus says in John 3, 5, that we must be born again. That's what Jesus says. It's Jesus beginning to tell everyone in this place that heaven really is our home, like Pastor David was praying earlier. But in order for that to be, it is that new relationship. What is the relationship? We have to start with trust. Trust in the Lord. Leaning not on our own understanding. Leaning not on your own understanding. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? I can't lean on my own understanding that I know how to get to heaven. I know how to get to a place I've never been. So I'll listen to Jesus' directions to heaven. And if his directions are I must be born again, then I will believe those directions. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? How can I be born again? It's as simple as A, B, C, and we're going to emphasize C. A, admitting that we are a sinner. This is when I get honest with God and admit I have a condition called sin. If you're sitting here today or listening online and your key statement is this, I'm basically a good person, I'm going to go to heaven, this is so for you today. Because it's not you going, I'm a good person, therefore I should get. That's not where it starts. It starts with admitting that we're a sinner. You're leaning on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. If Jesus says, if the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we're not basically good. We're sinners in need of a Savior today. We're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a Savior. 
Or as, as one man said, we don't need a second chance, we need a second birth. We all have a condition called sin. You can't fix it on your own. There's not a promise you can make, a program you can go to. You may fix an addiction, but you can't fix a condition called sin. You may be able to do better than you did last year, but you can't fix the internal issue that's called sin that only God can fix. Well, how does he fix it, Pastor Tim? That's the B word, believing that God sent his son 2,000 years ago to fix what I couldn't fix on my own. God can fix it through his son. He died on the cross. He became my sin bearer. I was supposed to be there. He died the death I was supposed to die. Lived the life I couldn't live and gave me a reward that I didn't even deserve. If Jesus coming and dying for everyone that's in this room and those that are watching online, if you actually think that Jesus would go through that pain and then say, do your best to get to heaven, you've missed what the gospel is. We celebrate Christmas because of the generosity of God sending his son down for us today. That's why we celebrate Christmas. God came, God came for us. And then he says this, here's the crossover from just being real, a religion or denomination. Because there are some people who say, I'm a good person. I've gone to the mosque. I've gone to the Catholic church. I've gone to Times Square church. I've gone to the, to the synagogue. All those things are good, but that's not what Jesus said. We must be born again. And it's confessing him as Lord. Do you think that Jesus died on the cross just simply to get us to sit in a seat? He didn't come to get you to sit in a seat on Sunday. Jesus came to get you to heaven forever. That's his goal. Coming to church on a Sunday once a week, that's what religion wants. Going to heaven forever, that's a relationship with Jesus. And when you say you are Lord, that means everything belongs to you. I just brought up the issue of finances because I know that's the hardest part to give to him. That's all I did. So when we say you're going to be Lord of all, it means he gets everything. You're in charge. I want everyone to bow your head with me, please. We're going to close right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I'm speaking, there are some here that are being crushed under the weight of this world because you've never trusted your heart and life to Jesus. You've never been born again, and therefore you've got to carry the globe. You've got to carry everything. And today could be the day that changes everything for you. Today you can be born again. Today can be your second birth date. Just as you have a first birth date, today could be your second birth date. Oh, we have prayed for you. You're not here by accident. You're not watching by accident. Today is that day that everything can change for you. Um, I feel it in my heart that some of you are sitting here crushed under that weight. But today, we give it over to Jesus. If you're in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to bring you forward. We just have some protocol for COVID. But I am going to ask you to do this. I'm going to pray that born-again prayer that, that leaves Rockefeller Center and Atlas crushed under the weight, walks across and say, I'm trusting my life to the Jesus that holds the globe in his hand. He's in charge of the economy. He's in charge of the Ukraine. And he's in charge of my life, my marriage, my children. He's in charge of my eternity. It's a crossing over prayer. It's a prayer that says, you be the boy. You be in charge of my life. I want straight paths. Today, I want to trust in the Lord with all my heart. If I'm going to pray a born-again prayer, 
And if you're sitting in this place, balcony, main floor, watching online, and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I, I want to be part of it. Put me in that prayer. Put me in that prayer right now. We're all going to pray it together, but if you say today, I want to be part of it. I want him to be Lord. I'm a sinner. I believe, and I want him to be Lord of my life without any hesitation. If you say, put me in that prayer, wherever you're at, every head bowed, every eye closed, hold up your hand right now. Say, pray for me right now. Put it in that, put me in that prayer. Keep them up because I want to make sure I see every hand. Keep them up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Keep them up. 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. I want to make sure I see everyone in the balcony. 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. Keep them up. I want to make sure. 34. That's fantastic. Thank God. 35. Got you back there. Come on. Let's thank God for those today. You watching online. You count. You count online. Come on. Let's all of us pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, now say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's put our hands together and say amen. I went way longer than we should have. Come on, you got to stand up fast. This is just way too long. But listen, it, 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 it's just, it, God's good. Amen? Listen, if you made that decision, whether you're watching online or you're here today, I want you to do this for me. I want you to text. We, we, we changed the word to decided to 51,000 because they were starting to get some confusion. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Tim, I made that decision today. Text the word decided to 51,000. It's going to give you just some next steps on your relationship with Jesus. Those watching online, I want you to do the same thing. Text Decided. Come on, pull your phone out. You 35 people, pull your phone out. Just text Decided. Type in Decided. Text it to 51,000. We're going to send you some next steps. Hey, I'm excited. I just, I'm just getting the numbers in. Online, seven people online. So 42 people gave their heart to Jesus for the very first time. Thank God for that. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.